Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, and happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network should be used to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 18th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide, and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest, I mean the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. Our website, libertyroundtable.com, our nationally syndicated radio network, lovingliberty.net, Around the clock, incredible talk show hosts. Check out the lineup at LovingLiberty.net. And while you're there, if you have the heart to help, donate liberally, would you please? And remember, we have a live and on-demand phone app available for you at LovingLiberty.net or your favorite, uh, what do you want to call it, smartphone store? That's right, Android or Apple stores. Go there, look for the Loving Liberty app. When you download it and install it, it's free. You got live and on-demand radio at your fingertips that way, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to any show live and or at your own time, whenever you want. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and keep up on what's going on with what we're tweeting, relating to the talk shows, headlines, and a whole lot more. You can donate. You can provide feedback. It's all available at your fingertips at lovingliberty.net. Without further ado, a recap of yesterday's show does make sense. It all starts now. Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Jury deliberations enter second day as Kenosha... Uh, waits for the verdict they say it might go bad either way poor jurors doesn't matter what they do they're politically pressured big time uh as there's clashes outside the court and everything else ladies and gentlemen this disaster ladies and gentlemen in my opinion trial um going on and scary right kyle rittenhouse supporters and protesters they say clash outside the courthouse we also talked about the FBI admits that it does not track leftist violence. That's right. The FBI does not track leftist violence, townhall.com, just right-wing violence. What the heck does that mean? Isn't violence violence? How does violence know if it's left-wing or right-wing? Huh? Oh, it doesn't, does it? All right, I see. Oh, you mean you make an inference of those committing the violence. If they're left-wing, then they're, we're going to ignore it. It's okay. The end justify the means. If it's right-wing, uh, then we're going to... Oh, so violence has a reality check based on its, uh, what, motivations, Uh, its intentions? Strange, ladies and gentlemen. When I was a kid, violence was a no-no. Peaceful, kind, respectful behavior to others was the goal, the ideal, the solution. What a tragic reality we face today. By the way, um, they say during the misnamed Summer of Love, for example, riots, looting, vandalism, political violence was carried out by radical leftists under the often liberal Antifa and Black Lives Matter banners. The violent leftists besieged federal property, private businesses, law enforcement agencies, and private citizens with costly 
deadly and devastating outcomes. But that didn't matter much. The FBI doesn't even track that. That's a summer of love, don't you know? Just taking over cities. Um, it's just insane. Prosecution, ladies and gentlemen, got caught lying in closing arguments in the Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial. Mike Landry with the story of the Epic Times. How did the prosecution lie? Well, the judge ruled that we're not going to say that he had an illegal gun. Well, then in their closing arguments, even after that ruling, throughout the gun charge, they literally said he had a gun that he knew he was not supposed to have. So they lied. I guess they didn't, uh, no harm, no foul in those kind of lies, I guess. The left can lie and get away with it. Uh, the right gets barbecued every time they lie. I think lying's bad no matter who lies. Just like I think violence is uh, not good unless it's self-defense, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we talked about this incredible city, Oroville, California, declares itself a constitutional republic, stops enforcing states' tyrannical mandates. Abby leaving the Western Journal with that piece. I don't know if the city is a constitutional republic in and of itself, but I know this. They have every right to push back and tell the feds they don't have any jurisdiction. Go look at Sheriff Mack's Supreme Court case win to prove that point. All right, we talked about 12 more states announce they are suing the Biden administration to block the vaccine mandate for health care workers arguing the mandate is unconstitutional and violates several laws. They call them several federal laws. That's kind of scary. Sometimes you don't know what a federal law is, right? Who makes laws, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, the legislative body does. Good point, yeah. So you mean when um, Joe Biden tries to make a law, it doesn't count because it's illegal? Yeah, that's what we're saying, ladies and gentlemen. And that is the point of the lawsuit that now uh, what we're saying is about 27 states are pushing back in lawsuits. Now, I don't believe a lawsuit's the best answer because you make these robed thugs, these very few robed thugs, the most powerful people in America. That's bad news. I think we ought to nullify now. I, I think that's the real answer. But they say a, a state attorney state generals from Alabama, Arizona, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Utah, and West Virginia, they all announced the suit, ladies and gentlemen. So in my opinion, that's good. I think there's better ways to go about it. I don't know why these states are asking the federal government for permission, uh, but there you have it. That was hour one of Liberty Roundtable Live yesterday. Hour two, we had James Edwards with us doing a great job. Thepoliticalcesspool.org, his website. Incredible award-winning weekend talk show discussing race, politics, and hypocrisy in the 21st century. And uh, that show is available Saturday night live. Well, on Saturday nights, and it is live, right? <laughs> During the week, anytime it's on demand at thepoliticalcesspool.org. Anyway, James Edwards has listened to virtually the whole trial. What trial am I talking about? The Charlottesville trial. Yeah, they say a video from the Charlottesville trial shows Rich A. Hamlin being punched by a protester. Now, I guess what happened is that uh, Rich had a flag. Somebody tried to take his flag from behind. They grabbed the flag. Rich grabbed onto it even tighter. Uh, and I guess it hit the person. And then they claimed that that person then retaliated to Rich, starting the melee. I mean, it's just dishonest as all get out, ladies and gentlemen. I hear Rich did a great job on the stand. And uh, I personally believe the nine groups, 24 defendants, 
uh, in this case are in trouble because the prosecution has literally millions of dollars. The media has literally quadrupled down against anybody who stood for the statue, stood for the uh, maintaining and protecting of our history via the statues. All is violent. And all the liberals, all the extremists, all the Antifa, all the Black Lives Matter, all the violence from the left just dismissed. The media has had that narrative from the get-go. And right now the conservatives or the right side's on trial. The left side, see, the Hegelian dialectic is disaster. Uh, anyway, the bottom line is even the FBI doesn't track the criminal activity on the left. So there you have that. It's a sad tale to tell. We also uh, covered a little bit about the trial and the killing of, uh, how do you say this guy's name? Ahmad Arbery in Georgia. And we talked about how all these cases, whether it be the Rittenhouse trial, whether it be Charlottesville, whether it be Ahmad's case, all these cases came about at different times, but every one of them really points the finger at white males. They're all supremacists. They're all racist. They're all haters. They're all evil. That's the narrative of the mainstream press in bed with your government, the FBI, who doesn't track violence on the left. So just make sure if you're going to commit violence, ladies and gentlemen, make sure it's left-wing violence, okay? Now, how do you do that if you're a white male? I don't know because you're in trouble. And you're on the bottom of the total pole in America now. You're the, uh, you're the cause of all problems. And the abuse of you is the solution for all future problems, right? It's just dishonest, ladies and gentlemen. I reject the left-right paradigm altogether. I think it's totally bogus. To me, violence is violence. Evil is evil. Good is good. Thanksgiving 2021 is here, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. But with it, they say there's a turkey shortage. Get your turkey today, baby, or you may not even get a turkey at all. Grandmother accidentally invited a stranger to Thanksgiving. So she texted, made a mistake in the number, and she texted some guy, some random stranger guy. And he writes back, and he says, you're not my grandmother, but you know what? Is there a plate for me at Thanksgiving dinner? And she said, yes, of course, we're Christians. So she realized her mistake, but she invited him anyway. So she accidentally invited him, if you will. But years later, he's still a welcome guest at Thanksgiving dinner. That just goes to show that kind people can reach out, that good things in America do happen, despite all the rhetoric, despite all the anger, despite all the frustration, despite all the confusion, despite all these things going on in America. There are good people doing good things, ladies and gentlemen, all over the country. And we hope to document more and more and more of it as we call for civility. By the way, that's a website I created, callforcivility.com. Uh, you can read the mission statement. You can take the pledge. You can help us raise money. We're going to try for a, a clarion call for civility, speaking tour, and a whole lot more. So that's all coming up, ladies and gentlemen, over the next days and weeks and months and years right here on Liberty Roundtable. As society gets more and more divided, more and more hostile, we're going to promote more and more civility and kindness and respect and appreciation. That's how we roll, baby. And that's a recap of yesterday's broadcast, still available at libertyroundtable.com and lovingliberty.net. News the network refuses to use starts in seconds. Two guests live in the roundtable today. I am Sam Bushman. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. 
Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, live it on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman. Hard-hitting talk starts now. Eldon Stahl with me, field coordinator for the John Birch Society, JBS. JBS.org, one of their websites. TheNewAmerican.com, another one of their award-winning websites. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. All right, we'll try to get Eldon back. In the meantime, Brian Rust, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, uh, glad to be with you, Sam. There's so much going on in the news. It is shocking, my friend. Let's do the Honest Money Report first. Where's gold looking? Uh, gold's at eighteen sixty four fifty. Six four fifty. Okay. Silver's twenty four ninety five. Twenty four ninety five. Where does that mean in, in relation to where it's been? Uh well, it was last week. It was about thirty cents higher. Um, fifty cents higher on gold. Thirty. Uh, thirty cents higher on silver. All right, Roughly. so slight yeah. change. Where are we at on some of the other yeah. metals? People uh, track uh, rhodium and such, right? Yeah, rhodium's <laughs> $400 higher. <laughs> wow. Right, Kurtz, rhodium. And that's uh, good news, at least, for some. Yeah. By the way, yeah, what, do mean, they it... use rhodium, what do they use rhodium in, just so people understand? What do they kind of uh, use that for, really? Well, it's, it, it, it's a uh, material that uh, with you know, withstands heat and burns clean, kind of for environmentalists. Same with the platinum-palladium kind of uh, scenario there. 
Um, so, yeah, they're, they're saying some of that rhodium kind of in some of those um, automobile, um, you know, pollutant areas there where it would would, would soak in the, the or absorb the, the bad um, um, particles that would go out into the air. So, yeah. All right. I got awesome news for you, buddy. You used to want to go to the Staples Center in Los Angeles to watch uh, basketball games and such like that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants to do that, don't they, Brian? Well, buddy, according to the New York Times, you can't go there anymore, man. Oh, man. You want to know why? What happened? They're going to rename that well-known icon, buddy, according to the New York Times. Guess what it's going to be called? Uh, Biden's Hall of Fame. <laughs> Woo! No, not quite, but close. <laughs> oh, okay. I always tell you, I always tell you to don't dip your toe in the crypto. But now, ladies oh. and gentlemen, the Staples Center in Los Angeles to be renamed Crypto.com. Okay. It's called the Crypto.com Arena, Brian. Wow, I'm not that's, joking. That's what? <laughs> Is yeah, that man. right? All right. <laughs> The rebranding will take effect on Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas to you, bro. That's awesome. I can't. So we not. see—is it a block? Is the is the icon a block? Kind of a blockchain thing. The kind of—it's a new structure. Kind of—they could make it maybe fairly interesting. Sign, you know, kind of sci-fi. Yeah, type, they uh, could like show someone getting hacked. Be like a digital <laughs> mugging kind of a thing. There you go. Well, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Eldon Stahl, welcome back, brother. Oh, thanks. Hope you can hear me now. <laughs> oh, we can hear you. Fantastic. What do you think, though, man? You can't go to the Staples Center anymore. you got to go to the Crypto.com arena, buddy. Uh, well, I don't know. I, at least they're not calling it the Paperclip Arena or if, whatever they could think of. It's just, I don't know. I've never been there anyway. Well, you got to go there now, man. You can't miss. It's a 20-year so. agreement, gentlemen. What do you think of that, Brian? It's a 20-year deal. Yeah, that's a, so do you need some kind of a crypto uh, card type thing to, uh, you know, access the, the building? I is, don't is know, but I have a suspicion that what they'll do is when you buy tickets, you can buy your tickets in crypto. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I mean, rich dudes have a lot of crypto, and they want to, you know, <laughs> go ahead and buy tickets. You're not. I mean, just imagine – uh, yeah, you know, there's a crypto.com arena. No, sir, we don't take crypto. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of that, Eldon? <laughs> that would be pretty ironic, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, it would be um, <clears throat> people would start to riot in the streets in L.A. about that. Don't they like to just riot over everything, Brian? Yeah, there's, a, there's things that are going on that you just shake your head continually. All right, now check out this next story that goes along with the Crypto Center pretty well, in my opinion. Here's the headline. <clears throat> police. So the police are telling us this, okay? Teenage thief got $36 million in cryptocurrency. They call him a Canadian scammer. And he intercepted what they call an in a, in a authentication request, investigators say. And he got a bunch of cash, buddy. So everybody wants you to believe, don't worry. <clears throat> the cryptocurrency stuff is safe. It's good. The blockchain, it's transparent. <clears throat> well, this dude um, somehow got in the middle of an authentication request. 
and he walked away with thirty-six million. Brian. Well, I I thought I thought that was the most you know safe haven investment where you can't really see it. It's not out there. It doesn't you know it's it's I don't know. I guess it's not quite as safe as we thought. Now here's what I find fascinating about this: <clears throat> officials called this one the largest cryptocurrency scam involving one person in Canadian history, buddy. Now, they won't tell you the age of the teenage thief because, of course, he's a minor, so you can't, you know, like really get the minor's name. Mm-hmm. Now he's a minor. He's mining quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. A bit minor there. <laughs> You figured it out. I like huh? that. That was good, man. Now, they say, <clears throat> now this is also interesting, the investigation included the FBI and the U.S. Secret Service, gentlemen, in Canada for this teenager. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. What do you so think we got to get involved? The U.S. has got to be involved? Is that what we're saying? We've got to kind of... Canada doesn't have their own. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Tell you the truth, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, the U.S. has to be available everywhere, sir. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that could be why a lot of these countries hate us, maybe. Yeah. So I find that fascinating. They say uh, the lack of two-factor authentication was the problem. So when you guys all show your frustration about that two-factor. Just know that this teenager man was able to get in the middle of it all and get a bunch of cash. Teenage thief got thirty-six million in cryptocurrency. An official called it the largest scam, the single scam in in history, and um, the investigation included the FBI. And I, I just look at that and I go, "What on earth?" I don't understand how the you know FBI and the Secret Service would be on top of this one. I mean they. They're running around just attacking white supremacists everywhere. They can't, all the racists, they can't go after this teenage guy in Canada, can they? Man, they can go after anybody they want to. How come they never go after all the, the deep state criminals, Eldon? I suppose it depends on what this guy's politics are. Um, you know, if he's a conservative, they'll go after him. If he's a liberal, maybe not. What do you think of that, what do you think of that Brian? Yeah, uh, the left, good point. The FBI literally says they don't track left violence, only right violence. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I had an situation where they, I had a group bringing in these counterfeit uh, coins. This has been a number of years ago, and so on. And so I called the FBI or this, you know, agency that's supposed to be looking into that. And they said, "Yeah, we can't do anything about any of that." Oh, so they can just kind of print their own money and. You don't seem to worry. Yeah, we just we can. Okay, well I'll just tell these people keep doing what they're doing, and I just can't take it, but maybe somebody else can. Just sounds yeah, it was ridiculous. I thought, but you okay, still, well, you but you still do? said, hey, they may not do anything about it, but I'm not taking these, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want it because I kind of, you know, I went to school for counterfeit, so I, I just say, okay, well, I'm not taking it, but boy, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to take it, and we're seeing more and more of that. I mean, it's all these promotional. Yeah, things on TV and buy this and that and the other. I had a person in just yesterday actually with some things, and he thought it was gold, and it and it and uh, it was interesting. He 
only paid 19.95 for an ounce of gold. I said, oh, so that didn't catch you. You know, the price didn't hit you at all. You just thought it was a good deal. But, but yeah, I just think, okay, well, it's, it's fake. And so, but, yeah. So it's, it's it may be fake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wow. All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Eldon Stahl, field coordinator for JBS.org. Brian Rust, RustCutAndGift.com, and yours truly. Continuing seconds on your radio. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Kyle Rittenhouse's attorney asked the judge on Wednesday to declare a mistrial, saying prosecutors withheld evidence from them. Apparently it was drone footage from the night of the riots, and they received a technically inferior copy of the video from prosecutors. Day three of jury deliberations continues Thursday. In another high-profile case, Travis McMichael, along with his father and a neighbor, are on trial for murder in the killing of Ahmad Arbery. Prosecutors say the killing was racially motivated. He had my gun. He, he struck me. It was obvious that he was, uh, it was obvious that, that he was attacking me, that if he would have got the shotgun from me, then it was uh, it's a life-or-death situation. And I, I'm going to have to to stop him from doing this, so I shot. The February 2020 incident happened in Brunswick, Georgia. That's about an hour's drive north of Jacksonville, Florida. USA Radio News. COVID is spiking again, and it's just not clear how to keep your family safe. Fever is the leading symptom of COVID, and the only way to reliably detect it is with an accurate thermometer. Be vigilant and be accurate with the Exergen Temporal Scanner, whose accuracy has been proven in more than 100 clinical studies. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers. They are proven to be inaccurate and will not reliably detect a fever that might mean COVID. Learn more at Exergen.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. From city streets to back roads. From road warrior to carpooler. There are some things you can always count on. Like the reliability, durability, and power of Die Hard. America's most trusted auto battery. No matter where your journey takes you, count on Die Hard to get you started on the road ahead. Available at your local Advance Auto Parts and participating CarQuest stores. John Deere striking union employees have approved the company's latest contract offer, ending a month-long strike. United Auto Workers, which represents the 10,000 workers from a dozen Midwest Deere and Company factories, announced Wednesday night that its members had voted 61% to 39% in favor of the deal that includes an $8,500 ratification bonus, an immediate 10% increase in wages, with further increases over the next six years. Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. has announced two of the three men convicted of the 1965 killing of civil rights leader Malcolm X will soon be exonerated or cleared of the charge. After a 22-month investigation, the DA found that authorities withheld evidence in the trial of Muhammad A. Aziz, 83 years of age, and the late Khalil Islam, who died in 2009. Both men spent over two decades in prison for a crime they vowed they never committed. Thanks for listening, and be sure to visit us online at usaradio.com. We are USA Radio News.
with news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Rust, RustQuinnyUp.com with us. Eldon Stahl, field coordinator for the John Burton Society, JBS.org, TheNewAmerican.com with us. We're talking about honest money. It is your honest money update, ladies and gentlemen. Gold, 1864.50. Silver, 24 $24.95. A silver eagle, silver dollar, they'll still cost you, what, 35 bucks or so, Brian? Thirty-six and a half. Whoa, thirty-five bucks won't even get it none anymore, ladies and gentlemen. They call that inflation, the hidden tax, abusing everybody based on their dishonest, <laughs> right. unconstitutional money. You ask why we have the problem, and they want to tell you, oh, it's because of the cocoa, or they want to say it's because of the supply chain, and they lie, and they give you all these downstream effects of dishonest money. They don't really point to the real cause, which is, hey, we've jettisoned constitutional currency a long time ago, and now we got a fiasco going on. Fake money's always destroy civilized moral societies. They always have and they always will. And we somehow in America think we're different, but we lie to ourselves right on down and continue to drink from the economic bottle of false prosperity. And therefore, the whirlwind shall come. I know it'll come. I just don't know exactly when. That's the problem with the discussion. Then they say, well, you don't have credibility if you say when and you're wrong. But then if you don't tell them when, they say, well, how do you know? Well, because that's just been the fate of every other country on the face of the planet that's ever done it. So I have this suspicion that it'll happen again as history repeats itself. And there you go. Anyway, the Staples Center in Los Angeles now to be renamed to Crypto.com Arena. And a police say a teenager got $36 million um, by, what do you want to say, hacking crypto? Intercepted on authentication request and made off with the cash, got busted. Now, I got a question, Brian. If crypto is so transparent, so secure, so in your face, the blockchain is just evident and there for everybody to see, and the software is all open source so everybody knows what's going on and everything else, number one, how did that happen? And number two, how were the cops so on it they just busted them? I don't get any of that. <laughs> At least if what they tell you is true, Brian. Perhaps it's not so transparent i mean it's oh yeah yeah they say it's you know that you know you just can't you know get into it it's going to be the safest uh, way to control but i think i mean it's like anything i mean it's manipulating in any field i mean we were last week alone we saw this gold price manipulation in the in the in the on the gold market through all these people that are being investigated or facing charges and it's the same way with that i mean uh, if, if you think it's just out there and no one's going to know about it and so on, it, well, we're seeing the effects of, okay, well, that's probably not true. And, uh, yeah, and so I, I think there's the, the, the wicked are still wicked and, and continue to, uh, you know, those that want to take away people's money are going to be scamming to do that, right? And every day it happens, I guess, uh, our identity and everything else, so. There you have it, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Sure. Now, I got an interesting, another twist for you that I find fascinating. Do you know who Satoshi Nakamoto is, uh, Eldon? Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> All right, do you know, Brian? Is that the, is that the Bitcoin guy that's created? Yes, sir. Know. Roger that. Well, kind of. It's the... Um, 
what do you want to say, alias for the unknown Bitcoin creator, don't you know, my friend? Okay. All right, so they say Bitcoin creator, Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay, so that's the name of this unknown character, but we put a name to the person, okay? Why we think they're Japanese or whatever, I just don't know, but there you have it. Now, they say that Satoshi Nakamoto could be exposed in a Florida trial. What do you think of that? Now you literally got a court case going on. And, of course, since you can subpoena people and get evidence and everything else, they say you might have an exposing going on here, Brian. Yeah, well, uh, man, that's so his identity is might be in jeopardy, huh? He'd be exposed. I guess so. <laughs> I just there think it's go. weird wow. as all get out. So we got this name, but it's not the real name, but the real, the real Slim Shady. <laughs> Will you please stand up, Brian? Yeah, that's right. What the we make heck? it. We turn, we turn it into that game show, right? We put three of them on the. Yeah. Okay. Now that's entertainment. So, so maybe people are going to tune in and watch that. So this is. The transparent currency that everybody is supposed to jump on board with, and we don't even know the real name of the creator of it. Well, yeah, but so what? It's open source and transparent, and everybody knows, Brian. I mean, Eldon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what everybody knows, but they know. You got it? It sounds like Q, you know, trust the plan. <laughs> what plan? You know, just, just, just trust it. Just trust the plan, okay? Wait a minute. It's like Q. <laughs> Wow. You kind of wonder if Q got the idea from Bitcoin. Let's be just totally in the know, totally in the open, totally transparent, but nobody knows who we are. Right. Wow. I just find that interesting. So I don't even know. I don't even know who this Bitcoin thing is or what. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Right? Entertainment. I mean, uh, Sashi, and why do they put a Japanese name though? Is that like racist to assume it's got to be some Japanese smart person that created this? It can't be, you know, anybody else. And this is according to Fox Business, Bitcoin creator, yeah. uh, <laughs> Florida lawsuit, Fox Business. There. Now I wonder why. So he- um, they haven't exposed the Bitcoin creator already. We can't so he lives the internet. In, he lives in Florida. Can't, I don't know. Well, I don't know. There's a lawsuit in Florida. Oh. No, okay. I don't know if he lives in Florida or not. Okay. Right. But what I find just <laughs> so fascinating about this is, doesn't the internet, whenever there's like a secret, the internet, they say the black hats went to work and exposed so and so. Why can't they do that with the Bitcoin creator? Yeah, I don't know. It's just the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, I know what you need to do. You need to be into a blockchain marketing company. That's what you got to do. That's probably next. That's probably the next big thing. I mean, I don't even understand um, what this all means, Brian. And I don't mean to make fun of it. People would say, well, Sam, just because you're ignorant. (laughs) But I don't even know. What that all in, in internalizes to mean. 
So they got this big old lawsuit that's unfolding in Florida. They say a family of a deceased man sues his former business partner for control of their partnership's assets. In this case, the assets in question are a cash of about a million bitcoins. And it's like we're $64 billion today. Owned by the creator of Bitcoin, the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto. And the family of the deceased say that he and his business partner, Nakamoto, is entitled to half of the fortune. One of the lingering, quote, mysteries in the financial world has been the identity of Satoshi Nakamoto. Does the name refer to a single person, they say, or does it refer to many? And why did this guy not receive a penny of the, quote, partner's fortune? The answers to these questions, ladies and gentlemen, are central to the dispute in Florida and to the Bitcoin itself. It's grown into a, quote, trillion-dollar market with tens of millions of investors, and governments uh, are challenged with trying to regulate it, and it was approved by some. They say the technology behind it was seen by some as a way to, quote, rewire the global financial system there. Who created it remains a mystery, don't you know? Wing of that, Brian. Well, it's interesting to, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's, it seems like always if there's corruption or evil or things like that, Ponzi schemes or all these things, uh, they don't go on forever. And so uh, they usually collapse or the, the, the evil shows its face. It's sin. I say sin shows its face eventually. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, and perhaps, perhaps this is what's unraveling is, is uh, there may be corruption or manipulation or all that stuff. I mean, we see it every day in, in our metals, our stock exchange, our markets and all this stuff. And eventually it shows its face. And so perhaps that's what's happening here. I heard that. They say David Clemens is the guy that died, and his family is suing his former business partner, a guy by the name of Craig Wright. Now, Craig, 51-year-old Australian programmer living in London, uh, Mr. Wright claims that he's the one that developed Bitcoin, but the online community says, no, you didn't. (laughs) Okay. Hey, I think Brian created Bitcoin. I'm just saying. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Liberty Roundtable live in seconds. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, 
in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. So the battle's on. They might get to the truth in Florida as the, quote, jury will have a rough time trying to discover who the real Bitcoin creator is. Satoshi Nakamoto could be exposed, they say, in the Florida trial, ladies and gentlemen. Time will tell. They say they can't really know who it is, but here's the deal. You got a public key and a private key in crypto, don't you know? The public key everybody knows, the blockchain everybody can see, but the private key. Oh, it's all you know, if this is really true, the court might be able to force this gentleman, the business partner. Uh <clears throat> well, how did all those coins get created? Who's got that private key? If he could transfer even a fraction of that money somewhere else, it would prove he has the right key. Well, that's a false positive, ladies and gentlemen. How are you going to make me transact that? You can't. So I think they're barking up the wrong tree here. But this just, in my mind, proves the dishonesty of the currency from the get-go, Brian. We don't know who created it. We don't know who controls literally billions of dollars of it. We have no way of knowing. We have no way of proving it. But it's so transparent, buddy, that you can't know. See how dumb you are? <laughs> that's right. Well, See how dumb I'll, I'll I am? I can't figure out that blockchain or anything else, but it, you know, someone what was it said that was all all frauds eventually collapse under the weight of accumulated deceit. That, that that's effect. the greatest point ever, uh, Eldon. I want you to respond to that. All frauds. How is this now accumulated under the weight of the deceit? Eventually collapse under the weight of accumulated deceit. What do you say to that? Yeah, eventually the truth comes out, doesn't it? That's just that's very true. Heard that. You know, maybe the teenage it, thief is the real Bitcoin creator. Maybe that's the dude that, you know, got it done. He's the offspring. Perhaps mm. he's the offspring of the guy that found it. That could be. Or uh, it could be that it's that it's Eldon Stahl, man. <laughs> he, he's undercover <laughs> as a <laughs> as a field coordinator for the JBS, man. Could it be Osama bin Laden? No, maybe he's still hiding and his double got killed and he's in a rock man in L.A. and he's the currency creator. Yeah. And I just look at this stuff and you just go, really, let me tell you, the joke's on us, though. This idea that you can claim it's so transparent, so stable, the best thing, better than government money. This is awesome. We don't know who created it. We'll probably never know really who created it. It'll be under speculation, kind of like the Jim Morrison death or something like that. Hey, Elvis is still alive idea. You know, we're going to go down that rabbit hole with this thing. Meanwhile, governments are going to slowly but surely have more and more and more and more and more control of this. So every time you hear something goes wrong with 
quote, cryptocurrency or whatever. You find that the government's right there at the center of it, and they supposedly could nail you if they want to, but yet they can't. Look, they nailed this guy, that uh, this teenager that stole a bunch of it. Got him. But yet they can't know who created it in the first place or whatever else. I'm not buying the information we're getting at all, guys. I'm just not buying it. Something is amiss. I think we're being played for suckers. I think this is a, a huge, masterful plan to bring us all into the cur- uh, digital currency age. That's what I think is happening. When you name this arena Crypto.com Arena, and then we're like, hey, this teenage guy got $36 million because he scammed everybody, and now we're going to have a lawsuit in Florida to find out who's the creator of Bitcoin. All these things lead to the Hegelian dialectic of really the government's the only answer to solve this, Eldon. The only answer is government. Don't you know that? <laughs> yes, the only answer is government. It's like we're all under a trance or something. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I mean, this is like a voodoo psychosis, Brian. Yeah, I like the fact that all the answers are government. It seems like they're doing such a wonderful job. You know, I, I just I shake my head every time they open their mouth. And, uh, you know, the more, but, but yet we, we need to, we need to fall in line. We just need to get in line and kind of follow that agenda because eventually, eventually they'll lead us down to hell. If you ask me, I, I don't know. It seems that way, but sorry. I got it figured out. Here's the deal. <laughs> yeah. I, I identify as Satoshi Nakamoto. So maybe I created the Bitcoin. I just didn't know it. Yeah, there you Maybe go. They ought to turn it over to me. All I got to do is change my name to this guy's name, and I'm good to go, aren't I? Yeah. You, By the no, way, it's interesting. That I, I think some of these governments now are jumping on board, aren't they? Aren't they these guys? Yes, uh, they are. You know, some Venezuela or some of these c- countries want to, uh, you know, Venezuela, take payment, get bring, payment, whatever in crypto. Yeah. Yeah, with crypto. Yeah, I think that's the way they're going. All right. Well, you know what. I'm going to have to start paying Brian and, and Eldon for being on the show with me. i got to pay them in crypto going forward, I guess. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> what do yeah. you think? Uh, you can go ahead and be paid in crypto for all your work there, gentlemen. I kind of like the real stuff. There's mm-hmm. this lady. The real stuff. You mean constitutional currency? Honest money? Yeah. That stuff? I really do. I can hold Amen. it in my hand. Amen to that. Um, I find it fascinating about this whole thing, too, though, that everything is pointing towards crypto getting more and more and more involved in your life, though. Isn't that interesting? If if governments are claiming they don't have any control of it, why does it continue just to take center stage and grow and get coverage and focus and all the – it doesn't make any sense to me. I believe it's, it's one of the greatest scams ever. Yeah, we're going to have big factories or whatever. Don't, doesn't it take a – huge amount of energy to create this to mine all this stuff from what i understand so we have yeah now you're bringing up this reality check brian (laughs) okay i don't know why you're doing that i was having this great time (laughs) thinking everything i was just gonna get rich on the new gold rush and then you just ruined it with science (laughs) what the heck are you doing sorry there's a big article and i'm gonna tell you what it says you ready Listen to this headline to kind of make Brian's so well-thought-out point. You ready? Check this out. Cryptocurrency faces a quantum computing problem, Brian. Do you even know what that means? 
Well, I'm waiting for you to tell me. Well, math goes on forever, right? Isn't math an infinity discussion? Sure. For you math experts out there, there's no end to the mathematical equations, right, gentlemen? Except for you've got, got a, you got a technology math. glass <laughs> ceiling going on. I've done a little math, yeah. Right? you got a glass ceiling going on with computing power, man. Yeah. Two technologies. Maybe on a collision course, they say. You say, Sam, what are you saying? Well, you got infinite math, but then you've got a finite human-made technology. Remember how we had the Y to K problem and we couldn't cross zero, so to speak? Well, it's a little different than that, but the principles are the same in that our computing ability does not match reality. So what do you do now? Yeah, they say two cutting-edge technologies are going to collide, ladies and gentlemen. These two entire fields may be on a collision course. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, they say cryptocurrencies hold the ability to change finance. Bringing down governments, eliminating the middleman, it's all good. Yeah, you'd have millions of what are called unbanked people around the world, baby. Quantum computers. Well, they can bring their extraordinary power to the process, these powerful quantum computers. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. The blockchain accounting technology that powers cryptocurrencies could be vulnerable to sophisticated attacks. And forge transactions if quantum computing matures faster than efforts to, quote, future-proof digital money. Yeah, did all you rocket scientists, IT get, people get that, Aaron? <laughs> Make sense to you now, Brian? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Trying to, to reach up. But, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, that could, uh, that could be a threat on their uh, industry there, I guess. Huh? Did you get all that, uh, Eldon? All right, we'll try to get Eldon back. Uh, but I let me explain this in mere English because I kind of gave not. you the – oh, go okay. ahead, Eldon. Well, you're back. Can you hear go me? Go ahead, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> no, I, I didn't quite get all of it. I, I, you know, a lot of times I know in scams people talk all this uh, technical mumbo-jumbo, and it, it just is, uh, you know, people kind of – the all the adults, we, we like to try to – uh, make believe, make people believe that we know uh, what somebody's talking about uh, because we don't want to be embarrassed in front of a crowd. But the fact is that uh, a lot of other people don't understand what somebody's talking about either. So that's exactly just, the that's, point. That's how I that don't works. do this to make you guys feel like you don't know. I do this for a reason. Um, here's what it is: quantum computing means you can do so many computing calculations so fast that you're it's going to get ahead of our ability to protect the blockchain. Let me give you an example. You're a kid, and you're, you're, you're young, but you're smart, okay? <clears throat> and I have a dime and a nickel in my hand. A dime's on one side, and nickel's on the other. And I say, hey, kid, which one do you want? And the kid takes the nickel because it's bigger. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and the guy that keeps you know, holding out a dime and a nickel and the kid that takes a nickel every time, uh, the guy thinks, well, you know what? The, guy that, the kid that takes the nickel is stupid. He should be taking the dime. But the smart kid says, if I took the dime, they'd stop doing it, but I can take nickels from them forever. 
<laughs> That's right. So I'm going to keep taking nickels even though mm-hmm. they think I'm stupid because they're going to do it every day to show how dumb I am. But in the reality, I know the dime's more valuable, but I know the second I take a dime, they're going to go, whoa, he gets it. I'm not doing that anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a computing problem that kind of matches that reality. Cryptocurrency faces a quantum computing problem. If we have the blockchain, but we don't know how to protect it from incredible computing power that can work circles around it, we can provide so many calculations so fast that we can manipulate the blockchain, and by the time you discover it, I'm done and gone, buddy. Good point. Yeah, there you go. So I can I can create circles around the Bitcoin chain or whatever, bit blockchain. You know, with all this computing power, you're still trying to mine a Bitcoin and get yourself one of these things. And I got millions of them, and I got my private key everywhere, and I can whiz-bang do so many transactions. So compare it this way. You know how the big traders have the specialty privilege fast computers at the stock market and they do all their transactions on paper before your transaction can even go through is that kind of a comparison brian yeah there you go well you now that i put it on the kitchen table everybody can understand it right that's right that's right now we better be scared there's there's some scaredness going on now because no you just need to have one of them quantum computers buddy oh that's it we we don't need to be (laughs) we gotta go buy them Good See point. what I mean, ladies and gentlemen? It is yeah. a fool's game. And the reason it's a fool's game is because it trusts in the arm of flesh, not in God's currency, Brian. Bingo. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah, sounds like the problem with uh, having all these machines for voting. You can uh, you can multiply fraud very quickly. Yeah, voting's well got a good. quantum computing problem there, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. How it is. But don't worry, it's all transparent. Everybody's just yeah, in your face, transparent right. as all get out. That's end right. to end, you can see the blockchain, buddy. You can see it all. <laughs> You've been schnookered. Gentlemen, thank That's you. Right. And I don't mean to make it like you guys don't understand this. I am trying to tell you, they're trying to pull a, the wool over the eyes of the public in so many ways it isn't funny. And I wanted to illustrate to you a couple of examples of how they're doing it. The reality is they're using massive computer power to deceive you into believing it's all transparent. You don't know the creator and you don't know how the transactions are happening, but it's supposedly someone tells you that it's all blockchain. You can see it all. That's the lie. Dishonesty in plain sight, ladies and gentlemen. The issue is honesty. Brian Russ, thank you so much, sir. Great job, Sam. RussCoinandGift.com, ladies and gentlemen. Sam and Eldon continue. God save the republic. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Cryptocurrency. I want to continue on this just a couple of more minutes because it's complicated. You got a teenage thief got thirty-six million in cryptocurrencies. How? intercepted authentic authentication technology and uh, got the bitcoins there or got the uh, digital currency um, Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto might be discovered as they go to court in Florida and hopefully we'll get the real answers but I doubt it but ladies and gentlemen they say cryptocurrency faces a quantum computing problem two cutting-edge technologies 
that promise to revolutionize entire fields, maybe on a collision course, they say. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. The blockchain accounting technology that powers cryptocurrencies could be vulnerable to sophisticated attacks on the transactions, in other words, on the blockchain, and it could basically um, create sophisticated attacks and forged transactions if quantum computing matures faster than efforts to future-proof digital money. So what am I saying, you say? Sam, come on now, that's just confusing there. They say once quantum computing becomes powerful enough, then essentially all the security guarantees will go out the window. Yeah, that's right. What do I mean? Well, what if I have a computer so fast it doesn't matter what password you create. Now think of password as public encryption key uh, or private encryption key. Uh, What if I have a computer that's so fast it doesn't matter what your key is, I can run algorithms so quickly I can, by elimination, discover it. And then if I use that, I can disrupt all your blockchain transactions, right? And then people say, no, Sam, don't worry. There's already post-quantum computing technology out there. There's people working on that, too. I know. But what's after quantum technology, ladies and gentlemen? What's faster than that in the mathematical equations? Well, Sam, we don't know yet, and there's nothing on the market yet. How do you know? How do you know the military doesn't have a big old secret beyond quantum computing capability that can crack anything you've got? How do you know they don't already have quantum computers that already have cracked all the blockchains? And that's how the government's so hip and up on everything related to blockchain. And whenever someone commits a scam, the government's right on top of it. Even though it's transparent but secret, the government just somehow knows. Of course, they can't tell you who created the currency, but other than that, they know everything, right? See, the lie is in this idea that we, man, have the technology. Well, by golly, I can create myself a uh, 64-bit encryption. I'm in a 128-bit. I'm in a 256-bit. I'm in a 512-bit encryption key. You can't hack me. And the answer is, we'll see. Yeah, we don't need this much memory in a computer. That's probably the upper limit we'll ever need, they used to say. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is the problem. This is the lie. And you got blockchain technology, which supposedly is going to revolutionize the world and get the government out of the central control of money. But I think that'll be the very essence of government taking over money. If government then deems it a threat because it's too decentralized, then government will control it all. That's if it's not centralized from the beginning under the guise of being decentralized. I digress. I'm just telling you that these two technologies are clashing, and it's a fiasco, and it's no better than any other fiat currency never has, never will be. And that's why I say don't dip your toe in the crypto. Eldon Stahl with me, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Rust had to take off after the first hour. RustCoinandGift.com doing a phenomenal job advocating for honest, intrinsic value. Gold and silver currency as our founding fathers and the Bible understood to be critical to the stability of honest money and to moral transactions. And it's all being blown up under this digital currency idea. Uh, But it's nothing more than just another digital currency that's a fiat currency. Eldon Stahl, what do you say to all that? Yeah, we need honest currency. This reminds me of the story of uh, uh, Ray Charles, who he, uh, as many know, he was blind, 
when he first started out, people paid him in cash, but of course he couldn't see how many bills there were, and they said, well, it's this much money, and he, he trusted them, and uh, of course soon found out that not everybody is trustworthy in this world. Uh, so he insisted from then on out to uh, be paid in $1 bills. Wow. All right. All the security guarantees out the window. What do you think about that, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. That's really important yeah. to kind of understand. All security goes out the window, and that's really the Keeley's tendon of this thing. The other thing that people don't understand is this. When they believe something is super secure because it's encrypted and all this kind of stuff, when I send you something, you've got to somehow be able to confirm that it's right. In other words, at some point, you've got to decode it, access it, whatever word you want to use. Most of the hacking takes place uh, on the before it's encoded or after it's decoded side. So maybe somebody's not smart enough to get at your encryption, but they are smart enough to get at the beginning and the end and wedge themselves somehow in the middle wedge themselves in a way to where they get the downstream information or data or whatever else. Um, they always say on an airplane, hey, it's not the flying that's the problem. It's the taking off and landing that's the problem there. You know, <laughs> Usually the landing causes the most damage. <laughs> okay, it's mm -hmm. that kind of discussion. And anyway, I don't mean to go on about this forever, Eldon, but I do want to kind of put it on the kitchen table because a lot of this is technical and people are going, what? I don't understand anything you're saying, Sam. Just understand that I'm telling you that computers can get so powerful and they probably already have computers so powerful that they can break your so-called encryption. Mathematics does not have an end. And they can continue getting smarter and faster and smarter and faster and better. And they can hack you. And if you think it's unhackable, you've been deceived. It just hasn't been done yet. Or it hasn't been done to your knowledge yet. Uh, and, and, and when you think something's super encrypted, I may not even be able to break your encryption. That doesn't matter as long as I can get at it before or after. At some point, it's in the clear. It can't be used. And so all I'm telling you is mm -hmm. these basic principles are understandable. And so when they tell you all this complicated stuff, don't let your eyes gloss over and then just say, but they say digital currency is good, so I believe them. Understand that it's not good. It's just another fiat currency. And I don't care what they come up with next. Unless it's constitutional currency, it's bogus. Why? Because it, has the, it doesn't have the intrinsic value. It has the fiat currency attributes. That's the problem. And it doesn't matter what they come up with next. I'll call it a fraud because I know better. I mean, if God yeah. wanted to use crypto, he could create crypto, couldn't he? Sure. See, but, sure. But, but God in the Bible wanted us to use gold and silver. The founding fathers historically researched and said, you know what? Gold and silver is the only stable way to go. Just That's remember right. that, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to understand or know everything. But if you know those fundamental truths, you're going to be far ahead compared to any other so-called, you know, brainiac or rocket scientist or whatever else who wants to run circles around you. <laughs> Don't fall for it. Just understand honest money versus dishonest money, and you'll be leagues ahead of everybody else. All right, speaking of that, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is indeed front and center. And as you know, jury deliberations began yesterday and they're continuing today. It's the second day of deliberations. People are bracing on both sides of this issue, no matter who, quote, comes out victorious here somebody they say is gonna riot uh, you got people at the um, 
courthouse now and both sides literally agitating one another already, Eldon. Yeah, they are. And and really, this is uh, even though, yeah, technically you have Kyle Rittenhouse. He's the one being tried. I would say, really, this is a, a trial of the, uh, well, first, the Second Amendment, the right to self-defense, but also of uh, just trying to overturn uh, some basic tenets of um, of justice that have been have made the United States the envy of the world uh, for so many years. So that's what's going on here. Now, I I submit to you that at the, at the center of this is really we're all on trial uh, from a variety of points of view. Let's let you start on that, and then I'll kind of chime in here. But I think we're all kind of on trial here with Rittenhouse a little bit, right? Yeah, you know the. Yeah, the prosecution, they've made some really outlandish statements, and the major news media has essentially let them slide. Uh, one of the arguments they made was, well, you brought a gun to this area, so therefore you're uh, basically uh, provoking an attack, and you lose the right to self-defense. That is uh, completely contrary to basic understanding of, of uh, well, self-defense and, and justice and anything that, uh, you know, America was based upon uh, to, to argue that. But that's been one of their arguments. Um, they, uh, of course, nobody that attacked uh, Rittenhouse was charged with any crime. Uh, that seems a little bit odd, doesn't it? These were three... Um, convicted felons <laughs> um, and we're supposed to believe from the major news media at least that uh, well um, Kyle Rittenhouse was chasing them down when in fact it was the other way around um, that this is a, a total a total travesty um, and the thing that's going on now of course is the uh, of course the jury is probably saying, well, okay, if we don't convict this guy of something, then um, what's going to happen to our families? What's going to happen to our communities? Because the mob is uh, obviously going to try to do something. Uh, so this is a, well, it, it's just a, a media fiasco uh, is what's going on. The media ought, ought to be held accountable for this. But to say the least, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, everybody's talking about the Rittenhouse trial for a lot of reasons. Gun Owners of America emailed me about it. Brent Moselle, media personnel, says lies about Rittenhouse. The media's biggest lies from the Rittenhouse trial. I'll break it down in seconds with Eldon Stahl on your radio. Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? 
please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Eldon Stahl and Sam Bushman on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the Rittenhouse trial. The liberal media is attacking the Rittenhouse trial with everything they have, ladies and gentlemen. The liberal liars at MSNBC are calling the judge now a white supremacist. The liberal liars at CNN had one of Rittenhouse's attackers on Anderson Cooper telling a different story than what he testified to at the trial. The liberal liars continue to paint Kyle as racist and evil despite any evidence to that. The attacks on truthful reporting are escalating as the liberal bias in the media is being exposed more and more for their dishonest shenanigans. You want to respond to that? That's from uh, the family or the media research center, Brent Bozell and crew highlighting that reality. Eldon. Well, yeah, the, the media, uh, I mean, the thing that we should, one of the things we should learn about this is uh, just walk away from the, mainstream media just just walk away uh turn the tv off and uh you know you should have we should have no business uh, giving any any attention anymore to these people who have uh, perpetrated such gross uh, mis uh, misconduct so far as the media and journalism if you call it that goes uh, they're just propaganda ministers is what they are uh it, it's just uh we should we should not pay attention to them at all Amen to that. Anyway, I think Brent Bozell doing a great job there highlighting these realities. Gunners of America also chimes in and says, Gunners of America has proudly stood up for Kyle Rittenhouse since the get-go. You see, it's not just Kyle who's on trial. Your rights are on trial right now before all of America. All of these, quote, burdensome technicalities, rules, and red tape are nothing more than an attempt to limit and to ultimately end private gun ownership in America. 
And that right there is the entire goal of the anti-gun lobby, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, the prosecutor virtually admitted that in the trial himself when he uttered the most logically incoherent statement you can imagine. Here's what he said. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. What? What are yeah. you talking about? That's where we are, Eldon. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, we still have the Second Amendment. It doesn't matter if you brought the gun or not. Uh, that That's just totally irrelevant. If somebody is actually attacking you, and has with you know reasonable a person would say that this person is uh, about to commit uh, serious harm or kill you, then of course you have the right to self-defense. But uh, the the mental gymnastics that I witnessed uh, in in the prosecution was just astounding, and uh, these these men ought to be absolutely ashamed of themselves. Uh, but, you know, from time to time, I've heard that lawyers sometimes lie. Um, so that's that's what happens in court. Hopefully the jury is able to see through that and also have the bravery, at least one of them, to stand up and say, I am not going to convict this young man of anything uh, because he's he's facing life in prison. Uh, and, of course, Gage Grosskreutz, uh, this Huber fellow, uh, none of them are facing any charges at all. So where is the justice in that? It, it's just absolutely astounding. Well, and I think that really kind of tells a lot of the tale uh, in this story, ladies and Understand all these burdensome technicalities. All these details are really, uh, in my opinion, kind of at the, um, I don't know what you want to say, the core of all this discussion. You think it's just about Kyle. But what it's really about is they're, they're setting the stage to say this. You've got kind of a castle doctrine, Eldon. In your own home, you have the right to mm-hmm. shoot somebody and stop them or whatever. The debate is whether that you know carries with you outside of your home. And what they're really trying to do is trying to say you have no right outside of your home. And then eventually you'll have no right inside of your home. And what they're doing is they're chipping away at this. This isn't about him. And this is where a fully informed jury can really nullify now and say we're not doing that. You know what? Even if he should not have done what he did, even if it might have been borderline and we can't decide the truth, we know that this, if we um, prosecute him for this, we know what it's going to do as a repercussion to the nation. And this is where a wise, fully informed jury comes in to understand what are we talking about here? A single case or the law and the changing of what the rules and laws and guidelines in America will be. This case will have repercussions downstream like never seen before is the point that Gunners of America and Brent Bozell and many others are making about this. Eldon? Yeah, it's, it's very true. It's it's more than about uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. I, I should correct myself, Anthony Hoover. He, he was shot and um, he was trying to bash in uh, uh, Kyle's head with a, uh, a skateboard. Uh, I'd say a skateboard can be used as a deadly weapon just as much as anything. Um, so he's not facing charges, but uh, yeah, it, this is what's going on. It's it's our rights that are under under attack um, in in this case, rather than just about uh, you know one a young man who got caught up in something that was a little bit uh, more than he could handle. Thank goodness he actually had a gun, or we'd be basically talking about. Uh, um, you know, one another statistic of a young man who got caught in a 
a riot. And here's the deal. So, whether Kyle should yeah, have been there, be whether he should have brought a gun, no matter all these discussions that can be had, we need to be very clear that we understand, even if he may have done some foolish things, maybe he shouldn't have been there, maybe he shouldn't have had a gun, maybe he was asking for it. I don't know, but that's a quantum leap from that versus intentionally murdering people, which really they're trying to put all kinds of claims that that's yeah. the case, and the judge <laughs> took the illegal gun issue right off the table from the get-go, but the prosecution still dishonestly referred to it as he had a gun he knew he shouldn't have. Yeah, he's being charged with homicide. You know, homicide is is saying that you intentionally, uh, basically with with malice, and tracked somebody down or you know killed them. Uh, the videos show that is clearly not the case. That Kyle was uh, at least a reasonable person would say he was trying to defend himself. Uh, n- now they're trying to argue. The prosecution is trying to say, well, he should have, you know fought with his fists. So they actually argued this. They should have fought with this. Okay, so there's three men against one young man uh, fighting with his fists. And by the way, Gage Grosskreutz did have a Glock pistol in his hand. So uh, we know how that would have ended if uh, if, he w- if Rittenhouse would have laid down his rifle and then uh, he would have been shot by Mr. Grosskreutz. Uh, we wouldn't be having this trial. We would be having a funeral for at least one more person. And I'm sad that this all went down, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I preach civility, yeah. because I don't want these kind of situations. Look, this poor Kyle Rittenhouse guy is going to have to deal with this for the rest of his life that he killed someone. He's going to run through his mind for the rest of his life. Was it justified? And I don't think we'll ever really get to the bottom of a lot of those answers. Because a lot of it has to do with what his thoughts were, what is what other people's thoughts and actions were at the time. And we basically didn't hear from Kyle forever. Now he takes the stand and tells his side of the story. And it's interesting, even one of the guys that got shot said, oh, yeah, I pulled a gun on Kyle first there. And You know, you, you, you look mm-hmm. at this and you go, what does the jury do now? I'm afraid they're, they're uh, afraid to embrace the truth. And is that where we really are in these high-profile cases today, Eldon? Well, it seems that way. Um, you know, that was uh, – uh, it seemed apparent that that was happening with the, the Chauvin trial up in Minneapolis, uh, even though that wasn't quite as a clear-cut thing, of course. Uh, you know, each case is different. But certainly we could see that the jury was under intense pressure from the mob outside, and they uh, – you know, and they, their identities were public. Uh, it was not difficult to figure out who these people are. And, of course, they feared for their families and their lives if they would not have convicted him of something. So we've got a similar situation happening here. Uh, kind of strange that, you know, they're bringing in apparently some 500 uh, National Guard troops into uh, Kenosha to quell the violence. You know, if they would have done that in the first place, if the governor of Wisconsin wouldn't have... Um, refused help for security, uh, this riot probably would not have uh, either happened or would not have been nearly as severe. We might not be talking about this anyway. Uh, So instead of a a reasoned, appropriate response in the beginning, their response was too late, too late, too light. And then when the crisis occurs, now they're coming back too early, too heavy. And between that Hegelian dialectic opposition comes what? 
more government. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to reject that narrative. That's for sure. Eldon Stahl with me, JBS.org, TheNewAmerican.com, and I am Sam Bushman on Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The jury in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial will enter a third day of deliberations Thursday. Another misstep by prosecutors has the defense team once again asking for a mistrial. At issue Wednesday was a piece of drone video that prosecutors showed the jury during closing arguments. It gave a poor quality to the defense team only after they rested their side of the trial. Judge Bruce Schroeder did not immediately rule on the request, but called the media's coverage of the trial frightening. When I talked about problems with the media when this trial started, we were there in part because of grossly irresponsible handling of what comes out of this trial. The people should be able to see what's going on, but when I see what's being done, it's really quite frightening. Florida passed four bills on Wednesday that protects workers who refuse the COVID-19 vaccine for their body. Once Governor DeSantis signs the bill, Florida will become the first state that fines companies that require COVID-19 vaccine as a condition of employment. USA Radio News. There's a lot of confusion about how to protect yourself from COVID. With guidelines and regulations changing by the week, one thing is certain. You need an accurate thermometer for your family to check for fever, the leading sign of flu in COVID. Only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers. They have no scientific studies behind them and can miss the fever that might mean COVID. Learn more at exergen.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. From city streets to back roads, from road warrior to carpooler, there are some things you can always count on, like the reliability, durability, and power of Die Hard, America's most trusted auto battery. No matter where your journey takes you, count on Die Hard to get you started on the road ahead. Available at your local Advance Auto Parts and participating CarQuest stores. President Biden was in Michigan to tout the bipartisan infrastructure law that has new money for projects around the country. President Biden stopped in Michigan to again talk up the newly signed infrastructure bill, paying a visit to a GM electric vehicles plant in Detroit and getting to test drive a new electric Hummer. He also spoke on the benefits that he says that bipartisan infrastructure legislation will provide, including electric vehicle charging stations and more affordable Internet for lots of Americans who have difficulty just getting connected right now. No parent should have to do what a lot of you did and they did in my state and all over America. Should ever have to sit in a parking lot of a fast food restaurant again just so their child can use the Internet. From the New England Bureau of USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. The farm equipment manufacturer John Deere strike has ended. UAW union employees approved the company's latest contract offer 61% to 39% last night. USA Radio News. All right, live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Hard-hitting talk, always at your fingertips. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Wow. All right, so the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, we'll keep an eye on the ball for you, but I'm telling you, it's not just Kyle's trial. It's your trial as well when the liberal liars are calling the judge a white supremacist. Are you kidding me? 
He was a great judge for years and years and years. Now he's just the enemy there. Yeah. You got one of the attackers of Anderson, uh, one of the attackers of uh, Kyle, literally on Anderson Cooper, telling a different story than he did in, in court. Somebody ought to prosecute that, ladies and gentlemen. They, Kate, they paint Kyle's racist. And it's going on and on and on and on. They say you lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. Uh, lie, ladies and gentlemen. That's the opposite from what made America great. I can promise you that. All right, do you know who Jake and Jelly is, ladies and gentlemen? You probably don't. But if I tell you, you will know. Jake and Jelly, quote, a.k.a. QAnon Shaman, he got sentenced to 41 months in prison for the January 6th Capitol they call it a riot. I'm not going to call it a riot. But there you have it. All right, now you say what? Yeah. They say Jake Angeli, who protested at the U.S. Capitol during the uh, January 6th event, you know, that's the guy that wore the hat with the horns and all that kind of stuff. He was sentenced on Wednesday. Jake Angeli... The Phoenix man who joined the riot, he had his face painted and his head topped with a fur hat and all that stuff, right? With horns. I guess he was selected and sentenced for 41 months in prison, given the 11 months he's already served. They say he's got about uh, two and a half years left on his sentence now in a federal prison. The judge said, I expect it'll be in a minimum security unit for this guy. Before the judge passed sentencing on him, Angeli got the chance to address the court, they say, for about 30 minutes. I didn't really know you got to do that, but in this case, he did. And they say he accepted responsibility for his crime, but said that he was not a danger to society. I may be guilty of this crime, absolutely, he said. Now, that's very interesting. Why would this guy literally double down and say he's guilty of the crime? But he says, I am in no way, shape, or form a danger to society, a danger, dangerous criminal. I'm not a domestic terrorist. I'm not an insurrectionist. I'm a good man who broke the law. And Jelly said he asked himself how Jesus would respond and Gandhi would respond. And he's trying to, well, accept responsibility. The hardest part about this is I know that I'm guilty. I messed up. But the judge says even though you've got legitimate remorse, I just can't see to cut your sentence any shorter. But understand a couple of interesting things about this case. Are you ready for this? As far as I understand, this guy didn't commit any violence. All right? I find this really, really interesting. They say he didn't commit any violence. He wrote a note that said, watch out or whatever, we're coming for you. But I look at this thing and I just go, what was he really guilty of? Does he really belong in jail for 11 months plus two and a half more years in a minimum facility center or whatever they he you know expressed remorse and responsibility for his crime what crime 
He said, I may be guilty of this crime, absolutely, he said. But I'm not a criminal, I'm not a terrorist, and all this kind of stuff. What is he totally guilty of? Do you even know, Eldon? I don't know what he was convicted of. I mean, it seems obvious that he did trespass. Uh, he did um, enter the chambers on. of, I think, the Senate. Hold on. See, I don't know that he's trespassed, though. Because we hear uh, other stories that, you know what, police officers let people in. Uh, that you know. So when you don't break windows and you see a bunch of well, people going in somewhere and you go in too, you know, the question becomes, is it really trespass? Yeah, right. There's, there's that. That's a good point. So, you know, even, even that is kind of iffy. Um, he obviously, he has some... Uh, I don't know why he dressed up the way he did. That seems a little bit odd, especially for you know now listen, Trump supporters things. But listen whatever. to this: they say Angeli was not accused of any violence, nor property damage during his time inside the U.S. Capitol. So no property damage, no violence. But they say he played a key role in goading on the crowd through shouts blasted through his megaphone. In other words, speech is what he's guilty of. Egging on the crowd through his megaphone. Right? They say he also um, went to the U.S. Senate. He left a note for then Vice President um, Mike Pence that warned him, they say. It said, it's only a matter of time. Justice is coming. Now, I don't know why you're not allowed to say that. I hope it's a matter of time and justice is coming. But they say that note was particularly chilling because he was right there in the Capitol, not too far physically from Mike Pence at the time. He wasn't at home. Pence was close by. Now, they say that Angeli and others claim that his actions by himself and others have been peaceful. Now they say, but he went into the building and he yelled an obscenity when he went into the Senate chamber. Now, I'm not for obscenities, ladies and gentlemen, but you've got America yelling obscenities all across the country. You have Joe Biden. They say that's not peaceful, that's chaos, she said. That's not peaceful, that's criminal obstruction. Now, I don't understand how you go into a place. I don't understand how you go into a place, you don't commit violence, you don't destroy any property. You think you might have had the right to be there. You throw out a swear word and say, come on, guys, and yell around with a megaphone. I'm not saying that's great to do, but I don't find that criminal to any degree, ladies and gentlemen. They say that's criminal obstruction. I don't understand it. They say Angeli, who was charged under his legal name, Jacob Chansley, right? I don't understand this whole case. This is insane because the whole nation is yelling F Joe Biden. Now the equivalent of let's go Brandon. Now I'm not for any of that and I've stood against it from the start, but I'm just telling you what's the difference. Where are yeah, we gone, like, Well, um, <laughs> they're calling this guy a rioter, but uh, it's, it's kind of a unique rioter that doesn't, uh, create any violence, you know, doesn't, doesn't break anything, doesn't burn anything down, doesn't uh, hurt anybody, 
but uh, the worst they can get him on is he um, let out some obscenities. Uh, he was using his megaphone. Not sure what he was saying with his megaphone, but, uh, you know, yeah, you shouldn't uh, incite a, I suppose, a riot, but uh, there, if, if he did incite a riot, he did a very poor job of it because there really wasn't a riot by any traditional sense of the term anyway. So um, what, what exact, why should he be in there 41 months? It seems a bit um, excessive to me. <laughs> Just my personal impression of that. I don't know all the details on this, but um, I don't know. It's just a strange thing that they would focus so much on this fellow that uh, um, why why do that? Um, seems political to me. They say he was in the building for about an hour. He said, I walked through an open door. Now, uh, his image was one of the first distributed by authorities. Now, they say agents searching his car found the fur hat and the horns inside and all this stuff. But I look at this thing and I say, you know what? They're on very, very shaky ground with this. And again, we talked about this Rittenhouse trial relates to you, my fellow Americans, and your gun rights. I submit to you that Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. Jake and Jelly, quote, QAnon shaman, I think his sentencing is chilling. Because, again, he didn't commit any violence. He didn't destroy any property. He went through an open door. Uh, what he's guilty of is he wrote a note that said, hey, justice is coming. How dare you? And he yelled, and everybody said, come on. And then he threw out a swear word. And this guy's literally going to be in jail for 41 months. That's the best they've got. And now the whole nation yelling obscenities at the president of the United States of America, right? This is the one and only mm. Liberty Roundtable Live. How do you know your child loves you? When he calls and he says, uh, Dad, why don't we uh, go fishing? It's very simple, but it, it really counts. They make a song up, and they come into our bedroom and say, we made a song, and will you listen to our it? Our next year oldest daughter came to me with tears in her eyes, and she said, Daddy, I just thank you for coming home every night when we were growing My up. My son does the nicest things. When he's playing outside, he'll come in and just give me a hug and run right back outside. My daughter goes to the same high school that I'm the registrar at, and... I'll go into my office after the bell has rung and there's a note on my desk. And it'll usually say, Mom, I love you. I'm thinking about and you. And I think of my boy that uh, we finally got him through graduation. and He came up to me and said, I made it. Thanks. Family, isn't it about time? That's all I said. And that meant everything to me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan, the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life 
and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. That is why we pray. And that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Eldon Stahl with us, ladies and gentlemen. I think these trials in America right now have a big-time effect from Charlottesville. Don't you dare get out and have uh, freedom of assembly, ladies and gentlemen. You'll be called a terrorist, a white supremacist, and be shut down. Unless you're on the left, then the FBI doesn't even monitor your violence and abuse and reactions uh, to things in the public square. So don't use your First Amendment, ladies and gentlemen. Don't use your Second Amendment, Kyle Rittenhouse, in America, because you're the one that brought the gun. You're the one in trouble. You got it? And third, so now you got this situation where, hey, if you go to the Capitol and try to peacefully assemble, it doesn't matter if you didn't violate any, uh, you know, destruction of any property. doesn't matter if you didn't uh, uh, harm anybody or commit any violence. The fact that you ran around and used a swear word and the fact that you ran around inside there, uh, you know, you're, you're pretty guilty there using your free speech like that. So, you know, the inference really through all these cases is America, your first and second amendment rights are gone and how you dare, how dare you even challenge them. Uh, and they're literally quadrupling down on this. I think this is an American discussion more than even the individuals at the trials at this point. Um, that's really my honest belief. Eldon. Do you want to respond to this? This is where we are in America. Can you believe yeah, we're even discussing it, this like this? Well, it reminds me of when I uh, went to the uh, capital of Pierce, South Dakota with my sister-in-law. And we went there. Long story short, I thought she would say, well, beautiful architecture and all this. When we got done, I said, what did you like about it? And she says, well, she's from Germany, by the way. Uh, and she said, well, I thought it was just neat that we could go in because where I'm from, Unless you're part of the government, you can't go in a government building. And that's from Germany. That's supposedly a free country. That really stuck with me yeah, a long time. Yeah, it all depends on how you define free country there, buddy. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this I is mean, scary we, to we me. just walked in, you know. Now, the question becomes, if you're, quote, right wing, you're a criminal. If you're left wing... You're free to go, sir. That's really the inference from all these cases. Charlottesville proves the point. Uh, the Capitol building proves the point. There was liberals there. There was Antifa and Black Lives Matter and everybody else there. But the only people really arrested are the, are the conservatives, are the, quote, right-wingers. I don't believe in the Hegelian left-right-wing debacle in the first place, but that's how they're painting this is, hey, you're a left-wing violent guy. We're not even going to keep track of it, says the FBI. Uh, but you're a white supremacist, and of course you are if you're white. You can't help it. Critical race theory doubles down, and that's the reality. Um, you're an enemy, and that's what we've come to in America. Now, it turns out, even in this article about this gentleman, okay, uh, this Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. Jake and Jelly, or whatever, Turns out they say this guy has some uh, mental deficiencies and some disabilities, too, making his cognitive skills questionable. So you go, now we got some weirdo, wacko that has questionable skills that committed no violence and didn't destroy any property and 41 months in prison? Now, I'm yeah. not defending this guy because I think he was very foolish. 
But I'm telling you that the repercussions that are going to trickle down to you and I in America are serious. The whole nation's yelling, F the president. What's going to happen next, Eldon? What's this going to evolve to? Any idea? Well, it depends if we stand up or not against it. We've we've got to, or we're just going to get steamrolled. We we can't let this continue um, unanswered uh, without uh, some serious uh, consequences. So, uh, if if we organize, though, if we get involved, if we we stand up and, and say just no, absolutely no, um, we can stop it. But uh, we we've got to. All right, but I just got from House GOP a headline that I find even more scary. Breaking news from the GOP. Whistleblower confirms that FBI is using, quote, counter-terrorism resources to now investigate parents in America who speak out at their government schools. Think yeah. about that for a chilling reality. So, you know, we push back, we stand up, and likely the FBI will go ahead and consider you a terrorist. They're using literally t- counterterrorism measures and resources to investigate parents in America. How dare you reject your kid, you know, reading about pornography or whatever, and how dare you complain that your kid's being taught racial communist agendas and how dare you okay now they're literally the fbi is they claim they weren't looking into this but now a whistleblower says yeah we are it's even made up to the gop well one thing i would say is uh now anybody that can and i believe anybody can where there's a will there's a way uh ben carson's illiterate uh you know single mother brought him up to be a, uh, uh, you know, a brain surgeon, basically. It, it meant, and she didn't even, you know, she didn't know, know how to read. But get your kid out of the uh, public schools, the um, government indoctrination centers. You've got to do this. This is not something you can put off. Uh, you've got to find a way. Uh, ask people. Um, this is a, it's become a hostile environment, not just for the children, but for the parents as well. So uh, do everything you can to uh, uh, to get out of it. Hopefully that wasn't too strong. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, well, it's not strong enough, I don't think. Jim Jordan literally documenting in Congress, okay, stating that the Department of Justice and the FBI were playing games and lied. I mean, it's to the point of a smoking gun now. Yeah, it is. It's it's something that, um, you know, just coming to an awakening of our uh, our situation that we're in, you know, we need to and, and just realize that, uh, you know, yeah, the FBI previously uh, may have been a, a very honorable, but, but now they're being used as a weapon against us. So it, it's something that is quite chilling. Now, Representative Jim Jordan literally wrote a letter to the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland saying, hey, you testified before Congress saying the FBI wasn't being used here, but now we have evidence that the FBI is. So now you've got Garland literally lying on the stand. Where's the arrest? 
we're going to keep this um, kid that ran around and used the what a swear word with a bullhorn and didn't commit any uh, crime, really. And he's guilty for 41 months, and Garland can literally lie to Congress and say no. The FBI and the Justice Department not using the, and it turns out they are? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a, a you know, we, we're we in a, a difficult situation, to put it mildly, um, with that. Um, trying to, you know, I, I don't know if you'd say abolish the FBI, but it, it, it's not abolish that sucker. Where, you show me how it's constitutional and we'll talk about it. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, there's very few huh. actual federal crimes that are, um, the federal government should be involved in. Um, you know, on the bright side, there's been a, a, a bill that's, it's not perfect, but, uh, to decriminalize on the federal level, uh, the possession and use of marijuana and leave that to the states. Uh, we'll see where that goes, but it seems to be picking up steam. So maybe, you know, and that's uh, nullification, which, uh, you know, these, these people that are pushing the Constitutional Convention, Convention of States, they all they'll poo-poo that idea, but it's actually working. Um, not that I'm saying people should, uh, you know, light up the marijuana, but there's uh, there's some light there that uh, if, we, if we do push back in the right way, that... Uh, we can put that genie back in the bottle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, final story before the end of the hour that I want to get to. You know, Joe Biden has been pushing this vax mandate. He doesn't have authorities in the wrong branch of government to create law, by the way. Uh, a very simple fourth grade history lesson tells you you got the judicial branch. Those are the people that judge the law. You got the executive branch. Those are the people that carry out the law. And you got the, um, the legislative branch. That's the people that create the law. Well, the... Joe Biden created a law, and he's in the wrong branch of government, so it, it ought to be just DOA, dead on arrival. But everybody kind of let that press release and then the so-called unconstitutional OSHA carry the ball. Uh, but people are suing left and right, and a court basically put a stay on it. Then other courts doubled down and defended the stay. And now the headline says OSHA suspends enforcement of vaccine mandate after court blocked the Epic Times with the peace. The Labor Department's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, has suspended the enforcement of the Biden administration's COVID-19 mandate for private businesses. The announcement came shortly after a U.S. appeals court. So even a U.S. appeals court rejected it, by the way. Rejected a challenge by the Biden administration and reaffirmed its decision to put on hold the mandate, ladies and gentlemen. So this is interesting. Uh, even a appeals court. So they said, hey, we're going to put a st-. first off. They sued and said, Biden, you can't do this. Then the court said, that's right. Put a stay on it. Then Biden appealed. And even the appellate court said, no, Joe, on November the 12th, reaffirmed the court, reaffirmed his decision to put on hold OSHA's mandate. That's really, really telling. Now, I'm not really a fan of using the courts in all this. But I will say uh, it's at least a step in the right direction uh, for now. Eldon. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, it's, it's we've seen also several states pushing back on this. Uh, Utah just passed uh, some protections for employees. Um, and something, there's several things working their way through the process in, in Idaho. Uh, that's probably not the only states that this is happening in. 
legislatively as well. But uh, yeah, people are, I've noticed that this is a very hot issue. People are just up in arms. People that are, would normally not get involved in politics or anything, uh, they're getting involved. So this is uh, quite a, you know, it's awakening a sleeping giant, so to speak, uh, with doing stuff like this, because it affects people in just, you know, they they can't not get involved. Now, here's the problem. Even though the stay has been given, even though OSHA backed off and did the right thing, White House officials and the president are still calling on employers to carry it out. We think people should not wait. White House principal Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre told reporters. So they say we say do not wait to take actions that can keep you safe. Employers should not wait for legal matters to be resolved before adhering to Biden's vaccine requirement. Now, ladies and gentlemen, so let me get this right. You got this character, this whacked out guy that's got some mental problems that runs around with horns on his head, goes into the Capitol, uses a bad word, um, tells everybody, come on, let's do this thing, whatever. And, and and then this guy's in prison for 41 months and Joe Biden's saying, ignore the courts. Just ignore the courts and we're fine. Where's the impeachment of Joe? He's out of control. And the people better stop him while we can. Eldon, final words yours. 20 seconds, sir. Uh, yeah, definitely deserves impeachment. But uh, also it's, it's something that we don't want to have a king. The only king uh, should be Jesus. Uh, that's that's the rallying cry of, of the revolutionaries declaring independence. Uh, we need to get back to that. Wow. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We call for the rule of law, ladies and gentlemen. We call for the checks and balances that really is the genius of America to operate in our behalf, and it's we the people that need to insist on them. Freldon Stahl, Sam Bushman, Brian Rust. God save the republic.